Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I'm Aurora. And I'm Rose. And this week, we are discussing Series 10, Episode 9, Empress of Mars by Mark Gatiss. Now, is it really? This is it. Yeah. <laughs> This is a momentous and bittersweet occasion. Well, I say bittersweet, mostly sweet. Uh, this is Mark Gatiss's final episode for Doctor Who. He has not written another one since this one. Well, I'd say he went on a, a, a he went out on a fairly strong note. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, at, at the very least, at the very least, it wasn't sleep no more too like he'd initially planned. Oh my. God, did he really? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, no. What what happened was, is he was going to do Sleep No More 2 for Series 10, and then he realized, oh, that's Moffat's last season, which means it's also probably my last season, so I'm going to do this because I want to do this more than I want to do Sleep No More 2. Well, it's worse than that, right? Because he wasn't even planning up on directly following up the bullshit ending of Sleep No More. It was going to be like a prequel, I think. Oh my god. So we wouldn't even get like... What is wrong with him? <laughs> this is a much better product, is what I'm saying. I'm glad yeah. he went this route. Even if... Okay, so... My problem with this episode is kind of a silly problem to have, I will admit. Uh, but my problem with this episode uh, is that they do too good a job... Uh, making the British soldiers look like complete dumbass, obnoxious idiots with uh, very little people to root for. So what instead happens is I'm sitting there through most of the episode going, no, nah, this is boring. I just want to see these dudes get murdered graphically. I don't. I, d come on, get to the good part. Yeah, I don't think I, I had that experience myself. I, I think maybe it's just because there was one guy I liked enough I don't know. I feel like the, the British soldiers didn't particularly dominate the episode, so it felt like a, a breezy enough watch for me. I don't feel it got yeah, too bogged fair. down. And it, it and at least it's only it's only a forty five minuter, not something longer. So that's a forty three minuter actually. Forty three, yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Um I will also note uh I was very surprised to see that they were not in fact using the sanctuary base six uh spacesuits i'm like wait i I'm, I'm like i'm trying to figure out where they got those from yeah if or if they're just new ones for this episode uh speaking of spacesuits i would like to shout out the victorian spacesuit at the end that was yeah. a good bit of costuming <laughs> yeah a very good bit of costuming if admittedly i was looking at that going like do they like do they have oxygen tanks for the like? Uh, like, how are they gonna keep him alive? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't worry about, about it. it. It it has um, a phonograph on it. That's all that matters. It's, it's the rule. It's, it's the rule of cool. It's fine. We're yeah, fine here. That's true. We we are all vibing. Um. Uh. 
This is uh, yet another episode uh, where Nardle is just kind of there. It's 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 always funny whenever they do a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we need to come up with a reason for the TARDIS to not be here because otherwise it breaks the plot of the episode. Yeah, th- there was a bit of contrivance there of oopsies. The TARDIS did a whoopsie. Um, I would say that's probably the main contrivance of the episode. Yeah. It's the closest thing to a plot hole since we see in Doctor Mysterio, I think, that like Nardo can like pilot it just fine. Yeah. So yeah. it would have to be something like the TARDIS if if we take the doctor's wife like more into account with Canon just sometimes does things for the plot and also because yeah. like she goes where she needs him to go. Yeah. So romantic. Um Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, that's, that's how it works. And it's also, it's, it's very, it feels very classic. It's like, they can't do what they did in classic, which was, uh, in classic, like there was a period where they, like, they broke the sonic screwdriver during the fifth doctor's tenure and then didn't repair it for a while because it's like, no, this is too easy. We need people to stop using it as a get out of jail free card, but they can't do that with the TARDIS because it is endemic to the, uh, whole, uh, setup of the show. So they just have to be like, uh, yeah, no, it's just fucked off. We can't use it. I do think they they have a fun little god damn it why haven't I added a wood function to this thing yet moment in here yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> classic yeah um one thing I will say um with the whole plot setup of uh the I well also first off like damn like you know uh, <laughs> It's really funny how, like, the Sea Devils showed up uh, because, uh, like, Chris Chibnall wanted to do something with the Sea Devils, which is not unlike Mark Gatiss doing stuff with the Ice Warriors. Uh, Now, admittedly, I didn't watch Sea Devils. Uh, but the ice warrior, like the ice warriors, just feel like an all-around better candidate for something like that. I don't know what the sea devils is. <laughs> a throwaway uh, alien that was used yeah. in one of the in one of the thirteen specials leading up to the um, finale of thirteen's tenure. Yeah, that used to be that was like a, a returning classic villain, the same way that the Ice Warriors were a returning classic villain. You're the only one here who's actually watched Legend of the Sea Devils, right? No, none of us have. <laughs> oh, you didn't watch it either. <laughs> no. <laughs> that means I didn't wait, care. so wait, wait, so that means on our server, on our server. Only one person has watched that, and they're not even a host. I think Emma's the only person who's actually seen Sea Devils. Look, I just heard I I used I used to be a bigger Thasman simp back when I thought that I had any faith that anything would follow through with that, and I just heard from reviews that it's like basically it's addressed, but it's like lol nah we shouldn't do it, and then it goes on, and I'm just like well that's stupid, so I'm not. I'm not putting time into it. Like, I like Dan. Dan's a bro. 
but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not putting in that time. I'm sorry, my guy. So yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, sleep no more. An episode I've rewatched more <laughs> than Legend yeah. of the Sea Devils. <laughs> well, yeah, because you've at least watched Sleep No More. Um, anyways, um. What was it? okay? So, uh, with uh, digressions aside, um, with the whole theme of the ice warriors, but there's an ice warrior, uh, like matriarch, um, and I guess that implies that the society is matriarchal, which, uh, wasn't. Re- I I mean, there wasn't that much ice warriors lore. They could probably get away with that, no problem. I don't have a yeah. problem with that. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, um. The setup then I will. So I will give them credit for essentially tying that to the same way that at the time period that the episode is set, the British monarch, it was also a queen, a, uh, a matriarch. Um, and that's, that's a nice bit of effective theming. However, um, whenever the Empress interacts with Bill, you're like, Oh, Oh, a cis guy wrote this. <laughs> it really, really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so hashtag feminism. Um, it's a little bit. Is the ice is the ice warrior empress a turf? The greatest forum debate locked after five thousand pages of heated discussion. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And I, I don't know, maybe, so, like, maybe, maybe it's because uh, of just the, the mindset that I was in when I came to this episode, but I do kind of feel like it is slightly to the episode's detriment that it feels like a majority of the episode is just everybody except for the Doctor and Bill, and I guess maybe the, uh, deserter who's like the commanding officer of the uh the unit just being incredibly unlikable and it it just it for me it felt like there wasn't quite enough character to make something like this work because like there are some really nasty rtd era episodes but there's still like people that you can root for or relate to in a sense that i didn't really get from this yeah Uh, that being said i also i also watched this at like 10 p.m so maybe i was just tired (laughs) yeah i would say that one of the biggest weaknesses for this episode is just like (laughs) they're british colonial soldiers and it's just kind of like yeah i don't i don't know i kind of feel like you deserve this um but yeah but but, it, but well, at least one of them is black. Which is probably actually somewhat <laughs> yeah. historically accurate. And no, I'm yeah, not I don't have going, a problem with it. Yeah. And I'm not, okay, I'm not going to fault um, Mark Gatiss for just not trying to do anything with it. Because I think it would have been really cringy if he failed. Yeah. But I think it is somewhat a mistake of the episode that it doesn't really explore the racial aspect at all to that. Eh, I I think I'm 
I, I don't think it, this episode needed it. I don't think that would have integrated with any of the themes whatsoever and probably would have yeah. felt like a forced add-on. I don't know. That's true. I, well, I, I, I think, think, yeah, I think just having him there is fine. It's like, yeah, the, the, the British army was kind of diverse and also they still kind of suck because this guy is like trying yeah. to get his gold. Um, they're British yeah. soldiers. Yeah. What are you going to do? And then, yeah, the yeah. nice was the perfect place to like really stick the landing of like, yeah, race is important. And I just for that, like, I think it was important that that be nailed there in the first historical but aside from that, the whole, like, I, I've actually been impressed with this series for having somewhat, like, consistent themes across episodes dealing with, like, power structures and inequality and the aristocracy or whatever, like, ruling class happens to be prevalent at the time of thin ice or, like, corporate algorithms with, like, oxygen or, like, pseudo-fascistic things like the monks that kind of fell flat on their face. Um, and then this is, like, another, like, good invocation of that. Um, there's so many, like, intersections of how, like, systems like that work. It's just, I, I understand at a certain point, it's like, okay, we should have, like, some historical diversity. Do we have the time to, like, really delve into that? It's like, well, no, but, like, let's do it anyway. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, Yeah. And yeah, well, it's basically so. Yeah, it would be diff. Yeah, it would be. I now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it would it would be difficult to bring a race angle into here because it's not what the episode is themed about. But it it feels like it feels like that character had the potential to be like another person to potentially be a bit more of a like a sympathetic and like an actual present character that you could care about because ultimately um the episode is about how much the british empire sucks and like yes it does some comparison uh between the uh ice warrior uh empire and the British Empire, uh, but uh, to be really brutally honest, uh, the uh, difference is is that the Ice Warrior Empire actually believes in honor. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna just gonna leave that one there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I will. <laughs> one of my I think one of my favorite lines from this was um, just really heavy handed stuff. That was just like, you don't belong here. Yeah. And he's like, I'm British. We belong anywhere. Mars belongs yeah. to the queen now. It was just this yeah. really. No, just... it's 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 literally the I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. But that's when Doctor Who is at its best, as we all know. Yeah. Yeah. When we, this is going back a bit ways, but like the cold open, I forgot happened. Just yeah, because it's so like out of. It like, is the coldest so cold open. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I like... appreciate it. I think it's funny. <laughs> no, it's it's good because we get like, yeah we don't get Bill Nardle and the Doctor very much, so it's like it's a good time for like their dynamic to be a thing. And all I could think of <clears throat> when the um when the like camera was revealing like what the ice caps were saying, it was just like wow, I didn't know that um. 
didn't know that Mars got Netflix subscriptions to watch The Crown. That's <laughs> that's some dedication right there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just you you forget sometimes the like ass pulls they do to like get characters in a situation. I kind of just remembered in like our collective like vague memory that they just kind of like showed up here randomly looking for adventure because like a lot of episodes start that way but no it's like actually following up on a thing so yeah um one thing i will say uh def and and uh on the subject of like um likability of characters and such i will say i will extend very big kudos uh towards the guy playing the main british antagonist um because he does a really good job of just being an obnoxious piece of shit uh but the problem is is that he does it so well where it's just like i don't want to watch him being an obnoxious piece of shit uh because he's such an obnoxious piece of shit that it is incredibly off-putting yeah it becomes a get off my screen character yeah and yeah, doesn't it, quite like toe it, that it line gets correctly. to the it gets to the point where like uh his death was good uh and admittedly this is a uh family television show that can only get away with so much but I'm like his death should have been way more brutal. <laughs> yeah, I am he rather should, entertained by the boxifying the beam. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty entertained by the boxifying beam to just turn people into a a full up turn people cube. into Gmod ragdolls. That was so stupid. I loved it. <laughs> and it's it's like it's it's the it's another case of like the CGI being like just uncanny valley enough that it's like, oh because like it doesn't look quite right, but also it looks more off-putting than if it looked one hundred percent realistic. I was ra- uh, reminded of I was reminded of like Dewan Masters like miniaturizing Ray and how that just kind of looks goofy that he yeah. has like many people like he stuffs like a version of like that like Agent O guy or whatever like in yeah, like, a matchbox or whatever and I'm that's just like a, this um, is... that's a classic master staple okay, like a lot enough. of things that Chibnall does <laughs> hey um no yeah I just, it's it's like a more creepy version of that so I was yeah. like cool yeah absolutely um yeah the one thing i will say is uh with with fucking uh catch gloves uh fucking uh death is that uh because of the fact that like he presumably gets shot in like the chest or in the gut or something uh, because they don't want to show it on screen, it does kind of run into the thing of, like, he falls over and, like, there's, like, a solid sheet of metal on his uh, chest. Now, I'm not that well-versed in firearms, so it's enti- I'm in- it's entirely possible that a point-blank, I'm gonna presume, like, 44 caliber service resolver- revolver could punch through that. But it's it's close enough where I'm like, I don't know if that could punch through metal. Yeah. Just goofy um, things. Yeah. Basically, basically, uh, I'm really sad that uh, Torchwood was both 
dead and also this was not a torchwood episode uh because if it was a torchwood episode his like head would have exploded or something it would have been awesome speaking of torchwood this is like queen victoria era we see like a brief like shot of a painting of her because the fucking of course the british bring their waifu with them um (laughs) just like in a painting and i'm like why isn't how is there not like a sleeper agent or like someone from torchwood here and the answer is the answer is because they didn't want to do that and like fair enough well or or this could be pre-torchwood yeah it's hard to say say, we have to take a look at like what the the time is 1881 okay so that would be after torchwood wouldn't it hold on and claw tv story oh they fucked up (laughs) yeah tooth and tooth and claw is two years before this (laughs) <laughs> oof literally unwatchable sma i could i could bet Fucking like get it together Why didn't writers? they tie it in get it together writers uh. soy face a clear plot hole here they didn't do another spin-off tie-in god don't they even care For a spin-off about the timeline long dead <laughs> The um speaking yeah, of spinoffs could... that wouldn't that weren't dead yet though, uh it would be really funny uh if someone from like class actually showed up at some point in this series. God. Um <laughs> please, God no. Um That should have been imagine if we really took off and class was a Patreon goal. <laughs> uh, uh that would have been that would have been a time. But yeah, I'll just you can easily head canon it as like this leader of the company wanted like glory for the queen and to like bring her back a bunch of like impressive mars jewelry and be like hey can i be a little special boy now and then she'd be like yes you are you are you are my little pog champ and then he and then he'd like uwu or something like that's probably what he was thinking mhm um yeah definitely um so yeah uh i will say like the 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 overall like as as much as i felt like uh a lot of the episode was just like come on come on get to the good bit come on um i i do think that the uh like conclusion in like the last like 10 or so minutes are uh really solid pretty much across the board I thought all of that worked really, really well. Yeah. They do the mi- the Missy thing right. Because um, it could have been very easy to, like, have Nardle, like, trying to, like, convince Missy or, like, wrestling with that choice for, like, sort of like a concurrent B-plot throughout the entire episode. But instead, it's just, like, they establish that he can't get back. We have him ask Missy what to do. We have that, well, it would be easier to show you. And then it's just, like, kind of left until we see the the like conclusion of that we see the natural like follow through so like that's even even though the tardis thing is contrived as hell like at least at least it's like properly baked into the story yeah, yeah. definitely that's the other reason i i'm willing to forgive the tardis contrivance because it does really set that up yeah mm-hmm. which is which is good and and really really vital i think mhm um yeah um and then uh 
yeah, I I think the <laughs> man, it feels like it's a Moffat. I feel like there's been like multiple different um Moffat episodes that are like historicals that end with like one of the uh characters like hanging out with uh like like joining up with the the aliens yeah i i didn't even think about that until now huh i mean it's a classic like backstabber like only out for themselves or power thing well no 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 i i wasn't no i'm not talking about the backstabbing um, I'm not talking about the, the backstabbing part of it. I'm talking about, like, the resolution being ending up with one of the characters, in this case, the deserter, uh, going on to serve the Mars Empire. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just, I, I didn't think about that until now. It's like, we have that, we have, um, oh, God, the, the pirate one. Um, were there, were there any others? That's the one that, like, immediately jumps to mind is, like, oh, the pirate one. I guess, technically, um, the guy that a shielder made immortal. Uh, you ever... I'm still thinking about how that guy never shows up again. <laughs> That's so fucked up! Why'd they do that? <laughs> he was cool. <laughs> well, anyways... Um, uh, also shout outs to like the, the really, uh, weird tension, uh, between, uh, the doctor and Missy at the end of this episode. Did you, did you guys catch that? It was, I was like, uh, uh, yeah, it's just like, doctor, are you okay? It was just like, it's like, are, are you, is, are you guys just going to like start fucking the second the camera cuts? Like what's what's going on here? Cut that I hope with they a did. Snake knife. <laughs> we we know you hope you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything about the ending, like everything about the ending, is pretty cool. The one thing I'll say is just like of all the times to have like a glup shitto moment, like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's that's such. I I mean, really. I feel like when you get someone like Mark Gatiss, who is a member of like that guard that was like, we uh like like grew up watching the show and have been super fans their entire life, glup shitto moments are inevitable. They will happen. I don't mind this glup shitto moment because it's like it's it's a brief on screen thing. And it's literally just like you wouldn't know or care if you didn't already know, or you can just be like, "Yeah, that's probably a classic thing," and then just not give a yeah. shit. I yeah, love it's... how like you can tell from the energy of like, "Oh, that's a classic thing, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, it just has that I sort mean, of design. We've, I, I, we've I, had I, a few of those this series. Yeah, go ahead. I yeah. do think there's an interesting implication here that <laughs> the the Martians. I mean, I guess this is kind of already established, but that the Martians aren't really a far face, a super space-faring species prior to this, but now they, this is their moment where they come into the galaxy or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I do also think this this episode has another interesting bit of ice person lore or ice warrior lore, 
in that 5,000 years ago their civilization was still going because I feel like that kind of moves up the timeline a little. I feel like we're, we previously assumed it was a bit further back. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. I'm fine with that. Doctor Who. No, no, I'm, I'm fine with it too. I just think yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's about what I had to say about this one. Yeah. Anything else um, from you guys? Oh, I like, I like the, um, it's like a little recurring gag. And I, and I like to point out when they do this well, it's just like Bill pointing out a bunch of like pop culture references. And then the one that like yeah. the doctor makes himself is like frozen. And I'm just like, <laughs> I like that more than like when David Tennant was like popping off like hip, like things left, right and yeah. center with like Harry Potter, JK Rowling. I cried at yeah. the last book. Like, okay, sir. Like... <laughs> I don't know. It, it was it was funny and sweet, and it didn't really add anything like mm -hmm. material to like the episode or the mm -hmm. themes or whatever. But it's just I appreciate those little like bits of flavor that like good writers can like yeah. add to to like scenes and a. Sequence. Are we calling yeah. Mark like Gatiss a good writer now? Hey, I, it's he has a messy track record. Yeah, he's not. He is an inconsistent writer. I would agree. He, I think he is, cap he is capable, perhaps not realized to his. He is he is potential. he is capable. He is capable of great good and terrible evil. Wait, let's we wait. We can do like a a Matt Matt Gatiss sum up now since this is his final episode. Okay, okay, okay. So so I'm going to use. I don't know if this terminology comes from anywhere, uh, but I mentioned I I saw someone that I follow on Twitter use it of. Goaded versus woaded. Goaded would be a uh, crimson horror robot of Sherwood. Uh, and I'd yeah, let's say Cold War. All right would be night terrors. This. And let's say the unquiet dead. Woded would be uh, Idiot's Lantern, Victory of the Daleks, and Sleep No More. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay, wait. So, Victory of Mars, Sleep No More. I'm, I'm just looking back over these. Yeah. The fuck is Night Terrors again? Oh, Night right, Terrors the, the, the is the one with the kid. Okay, I feel like he's batting. I feel, okay, see, I feel like he's batting over five hundred here. Yeah, that's true. See, I so what happened was, I forgot about uh, Robot of Sherwood and Night Terrors, and I think that's enough to pop it a little bit up over because I was just thinking Unquiet Dead worst episode in series one it's fine but it's the worst episode in series one idiot's lantern pretty campy and fun until the ending is dog shit victory of the daleks atrocious what about um, uh oh he's just in lazarus experiment he didn't write it yeah no no he he he's lazarus he didn't write lazarus experiment, yeah experience mm -hmm. um um cold war and crimson horror which were good sleep no more which was dog shit and this was fine so yeah I, you know i completely I... 
Like, okay, so his last five episodes, Sleep No More is the only dud in there. He had like a pretty solid run at the end because he got Cold War, Crimson yeah. Horror, Robot of Sherwood, and Empress of Mars, and Sleep No More is just kind of in the middle there. So I feel like yeah. overall, he did sort of like have a good run because he. Yeah. yeah. Net, net W. Net W. Yeah, because yeah. he from night night terrors to the end. Besides sleep no more, it's all good. And then there's just the the two before that that fucking suck. Yeah. So he's got three bad ones and like five good ones. So I would call that a fair enough good director. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We have re single handedly rehabilitated Mark Gatiss's uh legacy. <laughs> We've done it. Uncanceled. We did it. Because, like, at the start of this, you were like, oh, Mark Gatiss. Oh, oh. And now now look at us. We're, 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 to, we're all on the Mark Gatiss train. To, to be fair, Sleep No More is quite a notable L. Yeah, I yeah. feel like, else. I feel like, I feel like Sleep No More and the Idiot's Lantern ending are indefensible enough to be a serious blight. Okay, but what good director doesn't have like a couple really really bad ones yeah every everyone has a bad day at the office and honestly I sleep put... no more the attack of the clones of mark Gaines. <laughs> god i'd even i'd even put like victory of the daleks at like decent because like there's a lot of potential there we just know it doesn't go anywhere with like what the Daleks end up being is just also like, kind the of, like, Churchill hagiography is real disgusting. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. I don't know how much we can. It's bad, but like also, I wouldn't expect most writers aside aside from RTD to really be like that critical of him. Like, it's weird too because Mark Gatiss is super critical of the British Empire in this episode, and then we get to Winston well, Churchill, just, and it's like funny fat guy. Well, that's just his character growth in the last like, t and there's like ten years between those episodes for him to have. Changed no, there's his not. There's like five years. No, 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 no. Okay, seven, seven. Set. Let's say, let's say six, because the script would have probably have been done before 2017. So let's say six years. Well, the the script, the script for Victory of the Daleks would have been done before 2010. Okay, fine, seven years. All right. Between our two guesses. What was he cooking? That's gotta okay. That's gonna be the title from, for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> better track record than Chibnall. Okay, not that. That's, that's true. Do, that's fucked but... up. I didn't think about that. That's fucked up. Look, if Mark <laughs> Gatiss to be fair, okay, was a to be baseball fair, if hitter, he would be one of the greatest hitters of all time with this average. Just saying. Also, to be fair, if Mark Gatiss was an actual showrunner, then his track record probably would be closer to Chris Chibnall's. Maybe. Because, well, no. When, okay. He so for starters, themes, so. no, for starters, every single Doctor Who episode since 2020 has either been solely written or, co well, not, okay, since mid-2020. Since, like, like basically once you get to the end, like, <clears throat> the, the back half of series uh, 12, every episode of Doctor Who since 2020 has either been written by Chibnall or had a co-writing credit by Chibnall. He wrote, like, 
over half of his uh he has a writing credit on like more than half of the episodes during his tenure anyways uh st statistical nattering aside um feels bad man yeah uh thank you everyone for tuning in for to, for the gatesance uh we've really come a long way uh from people cracking up the second i mentioned his name at the beginning of the uh series's history i have been resisting a gatus joke this entire episode get it out you. man get it out this is your last chance i can't believe his name is fucking gatus <laughs> and he is in fact a homosexual <laughs> Uh, classic. Uh, uh. All right. Yeah, uh, it's solid. It's a solid episode. It has some issues, uh, especially with uh, having any or, like, enough likable characters. Um, it maybe could have used another draft. It's still pretty cool, and uh, Series 10 is still quite kino indeed um yeah uh i'd say this is like a pretty pretty solid um it's a, let's give it a b it's a b yeah um very solid episode uh continues I don't know, picking up the themes correctly where the Monk trilogy kind of kind of faltered. The the Imperial commentary is good. It's a good set piece and intriguing setup. The characters may be a little bit one like more one note than I would like for an episode like this. Banter again between twelve and Bill. It just keeps being good. It's just gold. Um the Missy advancement, just gold. Um, but in between is like a very like serviceable, very like blunt uh, commentary on imperialism and like when those two systems <clears throat> clash, like the shit that can happen, like as a result of that. Not the most in-depth thing, but it's it's nice. Um, yeah, so I keep we keep fucking forgetting if we're doing like numbers or letters this week. At this point, it doesn't matter. Um, fuck it. Um, yeah, this is, this is a very solid B. Um, I would say this is overall a very serviceable, you know, mid-season episode, uh, with some really good bits tacked onto it. I don't, I don't want to say tacked onto it, sort of integrate it with it, the, the seasonal plot. Um, and there's some really interesting moments in there. I don't know. I think I'm starting to realize we kind of have a soft spot for the Martians. We just find them kind of conceptually interesting, so... This is a cool episode. What can I say? Um, and I, I, I like this. I think it's funny when the, the, the British people get heckin' wrecked. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would say this is maybe like a 7.75 out of 10. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so next week, we will be discussing uh, Series 10, Episode 10, The Eaters of Light. Getting real, real down to the wire. We're almost almost done um and uh yeah until then uh you can follow the podcast on twitter 
at B2TardisPod. Uh, you can support... Well, I'm not going to plug the Patreon at this point. It's it's served its purpose. Um, I'm Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at WheatleyDL. Uh, I'm Aurora. You can find me on Twitter at Ahoraborealis. Um, I'm not on there at the moment because my mental health is garbage. Um, but you can follow requests. I'll get back to it when I can. Um, I'm Erza, and you can follow us at Himajoshi Chaso on Twitter.com. And we will see you all next week. <laughs>